Hi, Wine Delusters, and in this episode, I'm speaking with author, journalist, and now wine grower, Deidre Macken. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. My name's Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra. But my real passion is travel and my bucket list is to travel to every wine region in the world. In this series, I'll be exploring some regional Aussie wine destinations. I'll give you some tips whether you're planning a romantic getaway, a girls weekend, or you're dragging the kids along. Pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. So I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that I'm recording on and that I live at in Canberra, the Ngunnawal people. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and I extend that to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I'm a bit of a bookworm. And one weekend I came across a book review called Growing Grapes Might Be Fun, How We Made a Vineyard Out of a Junkyard at Cockatoo Hill. The name intrigued me. It certainly sounded like a book that was up my alley. Then I noticed the author was Deidre Macken. It was the same Deidre Macken whose humour and wit I enjoy in her columns in the Weekend Australian Review pullout. Then I saw that Cockatoo Hill, quite nearby, is actually part of the Canberra wine region. I reached out and was thrilled when Deidre agreed to chat with me. I really enjoyed this book. There are a lot of laugh out loud moments and some really touching moments too. I really admire the observations that she makes. Each chapter can be read on its own, but put together it tells a wonderful story with a satisfying and delicious result. Please welcome Deidre Macken. Thank you very much for speaking with me and congratulations on your book. I just finished it and it's, it's a really lovely read. Through the book, you're falling in love with the house and the land and the community think the reader can feel that and, and almost falls in love with it as well with you. I understand this isn't your first book. You've got a couple of other books that you've written in the past. Yeah, just two beforehand. I wrote a, a fiction book called Smoke, which was sort of based on the 94 fires or inspired by them. And then I had a non-fiction book called Oh, no, we forgot to have children. Yes. Yeah, about the declining birth rates. I thought that was Yeah, which is happening again now. So I can always Definitely. do a rerun. <laughs> and so that's interesting when I came across that you'd written that book, Smoke, because I didn't live in Sydney in 94, but because we've just had the bushfires in 2019 and, and actually reading that in your book, it really brought back memories of how awful that period of time was. Yeah. Was the 94 ones as bad as the 2019 well, ones? Well, the 94 ones hit us. I'm, I'm now a volunteer firefighter, but then I was just down at my dad's place in Pitwater because there were fires all around. And we did have one terrible night there. Some of us were evacuated and some of us um, managed to save the houses. But that actually sparked the whole community to form our own um, fire brigade. So, yeah, I'm a volunteer down there and sometimes get out for the big fires as in, you know, 2019. I think after, particularly after 2019, it really brought home how how important it is to be part of your community and that volunteer work and how important it is. This book is set over like a five-year period. I think it would be very hard to know at the beginning of of your journey into this, you know, getting the house and and doing all the land and the works and planting that you wanted to write a book at the start or, or maybe as a writer you did know that you wanted to. I didn't have a plan. I, I take notes when I encounter interesting situations. So I thought I'd, I'd take notes for interesting happenings. 
and I didn't dare hope that it was going to be a book because, you know, a lot of books aren't published and I didn't want in my mind to be thinking, oh, I hope this is a book. Mm. And I didn't want in my mind to be, oh, people are going to read this, so therefore I have to be careful what I say. I just wanted it to be, you know, raw notes and I'd figure out what to do with it if and when I got enough raw notes. And a couple of years ago I decided to look at what I had and I discovered I had about 30,000 words and I thought, oh, this this actually could be, you know, the start of something. So I I took more notes more diligently for the last couple of years. And once I got it to 50, 55, I thought, yeah, this is this is worth exploring and, and seeing if I can structure it into a book, see whether there's any interest in it. So it was very organic and it was very slow, but I certainly didn't want the pressure from the start to think, oh, I'm writing for an audience because I, I, you write differently when you're writing for an audience rather than a diary style book. I was thinking that you must have kept very good diary entries because I loved like there's some of the observations of things that a lot of people just not notice. There's like the tradition of baking and um, and taking cakes over to your mums or to different people and like even the weeds taking over and things like that, that we all see and maybe in the moment when we deal with it, but you captured some things that are very ordinary, I guess, really beautifully. I think yeah. that's the nature of deciding to do a diary. Like I, I, I do a lot of writing when I travel because when you first get to a place, you think, oh, wow, this is really weird. They do this or this is what's happening. And it feels so fresh. You see it the first time. By the time you're there for a week or so, you don't tend to see those things. So when I started getting that down here, thinking about, oh, you know, country people relate to you differently. I, I wonder what it is and and what I'm saying to them or what I'm not saying, what I should say or shouldn't say. And, and so you get that um, visceral sort of raw feeling which is what I wanted to portray as a very much a city girl, sort of haphazardly sort of finding herself on a big, you know, block of land with plans to do something with it and how hopeless, raw, unprepared, you know, vulnerable in a way you can feel in that situation. So I was really interested in my reaction to what I was being presented with a lot. Yeah, I did like a lot of that country city comparison and your mum was a beautiful character in the book so she's still going well yeah (laughs) she's still you know sort of loving the farming and yeah she's still really active in in farming she she just loves the farming life she's 92 now and um, occasionally we'll say mum we're getting too old for this and she goes I'm not too old (laughs) so she sort of shames us in some ways through the book it sounded like you were wanting to learn some of her knowledge about farming and the sheep and had, have you yeah. picked up a lot of that? I, I think actually sheep are probably easier than than wine or, or grapes to grow. I, I thought it was the opposite, but we've got about 350 sheep out there at the moment. Wow. The thing about sheep is you can know a lot, but you can also get away with not knowing that much as long as you've got really experienced people who, you know, to advise you help you keep an eye on so that you can ring and say what's happening here. So gradually I'm, I'm picking up more and more, but I'm always going to be reliant on a couple of really skilled people around the area who know what they're doing. 
and and the vines are becoming a bit easier for you now because I guess the hardest part oh <laughs> a bit of an eye roll there we've, <laughs> we've just spent the day winter pruning and we're halfway through riesling I don't it doesn't it, it, you know what you're doing more you know so you've got much more confidence that you're not going to kill them or maim them or you know cut off what's important but um it's still really hard work you know but it's like gardening, you know, it's sort of joyful work too in many ways. You can imagine that the work you're doing on the vine is going to make some really good grapes. That must and be um, such a wonderful thing, that sense of achievement when you, you know, when you're doing the picking and then you're doing the bottling and then you you get the bottle. That, that's um, It's really exciting. It's, and and it, was, it was nerve-wracking for the first one because I thought, this could taste terrible and I would just I'd just die if it tasted terrible what would you do just empty the vat or you know try and sell vinegar um but it's it was so rewarding that that first lot and every year we've got something really delightful out of it even these last couple of tough years you know where there's been mildew around and we had wasps last year and you know the nature throws up something every year, but we've been able to, the grapes are the, are really good. You know, it's a really good spot for it. It really likes the climate, the land, and we give it a lot of attention with our gnarly hands. Yeah, you refer to um, broken nails quite a bit in the book. So have you, have you found yeah. a good manicurist down here to help you? No, I, well, I, I, give, I give up. I just give up. So I was up to chapter 39 before I found out the name of the wine <laughs> so that I could Google it. <laughs> it changed names I saw um throughout like uh once or twice. Yeah. But um so how do you how do you pronounce it? Oh dear. Well, I, I <laughs> asked all the neighbors and I said, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? It's either Guyan, Gaunian, Guyan. Um that, and they all differ. So as my daughter said to me, she did all the designs for it. Um, she said it doesn't matter what yeah. the what the pronunciation is. It's wine. It's difficult. It's okay. So I thought, oh, okay, people can pronounce it the way they like, you know. So it's it's not an ideal name, but we were two. Oh, we were probably two days out from bottling and <laughs> at the labelling when we discovered we couldn't use the name that we wanted. So we searched the lexicon for something vaguely whiny <laughs> and came up with the name of our road. You said that like it came maybe derived from a few different places but one of them was that the matriarch of the area mm -hmm. a lady that a white woman the first one of the first white women settlers yeah. had lots of children and it was called maybe white baby in the yeah that's, that's a story I like best that Guyan means white white baby because she was the first white settler to come through on the on the tail of Hamilton Hume I think there were settlements up to Gunning by that stage but not in Yass and she she had a pile of children that people still don't quite know how many because she didn't necessarily register them. And she was also a midwife. She made quite a stamp on this place. And even today, one of the guys who looks after mum's cattle um, is related to her and her grave's just down the hill. So I, I felt as if I was honouring her a bit and, and her um, get up and go because she was a, a convict with no knowledge of sheep or, or mm. farming or anything. So... I, I was quite happy with the name in that sense that it was honouring her. It is a very pretty label. I've had a look at your website. So your 2021 vintage Sangiovese has all sold out now. 
Yes. You wrote yes. some really good reviews in your book. I was not that happy at first because what I, what I didn't realise, when you taste it, it comes out of the bottling plant, you get home with your husband and you you sort of have your first glass. We actually tasted it in the bottling plant and I, I was too shocked to even think about it that much. But it was, it was a bit acidic and, well, mm. straight out of the bat virtually. And it has settled down so wonderfully. Lots of other people really liked it and so we sold out. And now that we've sold out and I've got about a dozen bottles left, I occasionally taste it and think, oh, you are really good, you know. <laughs> so I'm a, hopefully a better grower than I am a, a taster because I'm still, you know, learning how to appreciate and taste wine and describe it. I think that's the hardest thing is the vocabulary around describing it. It's a good skill to learn. There's so many different adjectives out there, you realise. Yeah, there are. That's why I figured I'd, I'd make up a few of my own because some yeah. of them seem so different that I thought, well, why can't I call a wine too mushy? You know, because people sort of know what you mean when you say mushy. You know, it's got that rubiness or a bit thick or uh, a bit sticky. Um, except my the winemaker, Alex Mackay, did sort of step back when I was showing him around the Riesling paddock and he said, well, what Riesling do you like? And I described, oh, a, a bit of sweetness and and I don't want anything hospital about it. And he looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was trying to describe was kerosene. And hospital mm. kerosene, sort of, you know, you get the gist. So you've got two wines available now. Can you tell us about those? We still have our original Riesling and we've just taken delivery of our second Riesling. The original Riesling is, is, is very light, delicate and flinty. The second one is a bit more to my taste because it's got a much um, better bouquet. It's a bit fuller, a bit sweeter, but it's acid on the end. But I'm really happy with that. And we've still got a rosé, which we made out of our Sangiovese mm. grapes last year because we were struggling to ripen the Sangiovese up to its full peak. So we decided rather than do a Sangiovese that isn't the best it could be, we'll do a rosé because rosé is more forgiving. And we've got this year's Sangiovese and Shiraz in oak barrels until the end of the year. So we're excited to see what they're like. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I think rosé is always a great choice, though, because it's very popular. It in sells those. well, yeah. yeah. So where can people buy it? Through your website, I noticed, but is it also in certain bottle shops in the region? Yeah, we're, or? we're just working out a better distribution because we sort of haven't had enough stock to really mm. get out there and, and push it. We're in a couple of places in Yas. We're online at Guyan Wines. We're in two places in Canberra, Canberra Wine and Spirits and Prohibition. Uh, Annandale Cellars in Sydney stock us. Uh, Fisherman's Wharf at Woi Woi, they stock us. Once we get our Sanjo and our Shiraz on board, we'll, you know, put in the back of the truck and take it around and see if more places are interested in buying it. And do you still split your time quite a bit between Sydney and Canberra? Or have you? Yeah. We're down here virtually every week. I've got a grandchild now, so he's taking up a bit more of my time in a very delightful way. Yeah. But we tend to be down here most weeks. So it's literally half and half, half down here and half in Sydney. Oh, and so because we haven't lost our licences yet, that's still working well. <laughs> you and your husband sound like a very good team as well. Yes, yes. No, we, we do work together down here, which is everyone says, oh, do you work okay with your husband? And I think actually we do. And, you know, that's really gratifying too to discover that at this stage, you know, we can come together and do a project like this and not fight too yeah. much. <laughs> too, too much. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, 
it, is there anything else you'd like to add, Deidre? A, a lot of people have it at the back of their minds. Maybe I'll do a, a tree change. Maybe I'll, 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 I'll try farming or return to farming. I'd like people to think that you're sort of never too old to do it because most of our friends sort of said, really, at your age you're doing it? And if you say you're too old, then you're too old. But if you decide I'm not too old for this, you can do it. And it's, you know, it can bring really great rewards. I've, I've got an, a real appreciation for this pretty country that we're mm -hmm. surrounded by and for the hard work that all our farmers do. I'm, I'm full of admiration for them. And I, I didn't know about them much at all before. So I'm really thrilled that, you know, I've, I've had a taste of that sort of life. You're absolutely right. And I think um, reading that, um, I think I got a, a different perspective than what you see in the media. We often hear about hardships yeah. on the land, but um, you're actually living it and, and meeting people in the community. And especially around the drought, that was um, really touching some of those chapters. And it just, um, yeah, it made you realise how difficult it is, um, that sort of yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. No, we, you know, I keep saying to people, we should we should pay more for our food. Yes. And should get milk for their food but more importantly the supermarkets should sell food for only a tiny sliver of a margin you know I think farmers deserve more consumers probably shouldn't have to pay more but the supermarket between the farmers and the consumer I think frankly the supermarkets take so much and they could be doing much better on behalf of Australians to actually decide to shave their margins on food products but um yeah, I'm full of admiration for farmers, as I said. Yeah, no, I agree. I loved your references to your in a vineyard with your floaty white <laughs> linen dress. And, and it comes true sometimes, you know, after all the hard work, you can do that. <laughs> I've still got my jeans on and my working top and yeah, my rotten hands. Oh, congratulations. I think that um, you're living a wonderful lifestyle and your sense of achievement and getting a fantastic book out there and making beautiful wines. Thanks, Janine. If you're listening to this episode when it's released and live near Canberra, Deidre is appearing at the Canberra Writers' Festival this weekend. All the information is in the episode description. Until next time, happy wine travels. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. You can also check out this podcast on YouTube and see pictures of the region and the people I've spoken to. Go to windelust.com.au. That's W-I-N-E-D-E-R-L-U-S-T.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to hear all about my upcoming events and other news. Till next time, happy wine travels.